Hello and welcome to Sharp Tech. I'm Andrew Sharp, and this is a free preview of today's episode. A circuitous path for all of us, you, me, and Satya and Microsoft. And speaking of their new partners, Frida says, I was scrolling OpenAI's careers page and noticed they're hiring for iOS software engineers. I obviously, I obviously understand they'd have plenty of reasons to utilize such skills with their APIs, etc. But I wonder whether either of you would like to speculate on what kind of app we might see from OpenAI and whether it could fire the starting gun on an arms race of not just AI tools, but AI super apps, by which I mean apps that consolidate AI tools as direct-to-consumer offerings. And shout out to Frida. This email came in like 24 hours before OpenAI announced their app on the iOS store. And... Um, the eagle eyes, noticing the career page changes, uh, very, very impressive. I'm mad at myself for not reading it on the show last week so that we could have perfectly timed our conversation. Yeah, then we, we, we could come back and say, and, and, and say wow, Frida nailed that last week. You just I have know. to take our word for it now. Uh, I promise. Um, so do you have any first impressions of the OpenAI app? And, and, and what are you going to be watching for as this space matures over the next six to 12 months? I think the app's pretty good. I mean, for for V1, right? I mean, it, it it does exactly what you think it would do. You open it up and you have a prompt. One thing that is nice is it does have uh, text-to-speech using their Whisper API, which is – it's funny. You use that and then you go back and use like Apple's. It's like, yeah, the, <laughs> there is a lot more sort of capability here. It's really, really good for the sort of text-to-speech bit. Uh, and, you know, OpenAI is in a fascinating position where – the most valuable position to be in tech and by extension, the single most difficult place to be in tech is to be an aggregator is to be the touch point where people start, where you go there and you want to accomplish something. Right. And now operating systems have an advantage here because you're already in the operating system. And this is where Microsoft surfacing sort of their, their co-pilot is compelling. It's why, you know, Siri, at least in theory, has a leg up because it's sort of already there, whereas this, you have to open an app and go there. But then again, to your point, people go to Google, right? They go to Google and start there, and Google has that sort of dominant position. And OpenAI, almost completely by accident, by all accounts, no, they had no idea this would sort of explode the way it did, has hundreds of millions of users and tons of revenue from people doing this. Now, there has been a bit of a slowdown. We'll see to what extent the app sort of helps pick that back up. But they've already gotten so much further than so many companies that have desperately tried to, like, build up this sort of position. But the problem is, again, they're not a consumer tech company. They don't have those sort of, like, people who that's their goal and drive and focus. They're a bunch of researchers. Like, yeah, I guess we'll have an API on the side that people can use. And suddenly they're presented with this this opportunity that is one of the most compelling in tech, the big five to go to a big six of like the, these these companies that own the, sort of the consumer touch point where things start. That's your first place to go if you want to do sort of anything else. And so to that regard, number one, if anything, the app could have, should have been sooner. I mean, it's not that fancy. You, you could make the case. No, but it, then it's again, clean and very easy to use, which I enjoyed. I, I also... Yeah. There's nice stuff like the haptic feedback as it's typing back. To I you, was so just going to say the haptic typing, which I had to look up so that I could have a, a word for it on this podcast. Um, but I think that's a great little feature. And if people haven't downloaded the app, they should check it out so that they can see what I'm talking about. But basically... 
it feels like the phone is typing as you're sitting there waiting for it to generate its answers. And it, it goes back to your experience with Sydney, the chatbot, who you fell in love with earlier this year. Like there's a little bit of wonder there as you feel the iPhone typing back to you. Yeah, it, you can. It, it's sort of like a uh, it, number one. Uh, glad the normies approve because that's the sort of stuff that 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 you know can. It, it's it seems dumb, but it can make a difference. So there's a yeah, that sense of wonder. I think is exactly it. Mm-hmm. Number two, you can see that as an intervening step on the way to it talking to you, right? And now sometimes you don't want to talk to it. To be clear, like you when you're out and about or whatever it might be, but that sense of actual communication happening as opposed to you know just stuff showing up is is it's delightful it it really is so one question Derek thompson was on with bill simmons last week and they were talking about ai and at one point Derek mentioned that right now some of the large language models seem more useful for entertainment than like actual professional utility do you do you see a similar phenomenon at play right now? And do you think there's a, a point at which it'll start to shift? That's actually a feature, not a bug. Okay. Like there's a long-standing sort of trope in tech that the most meaningful technologies start out as toys. And it's like, oh, that's kind of nifty. That's neat. I'm not going to use that for real work, right? You know, I mean, sorry, I need to do that again with an Andrew Sharp impersonation. I'm trying to, to, to move with humility here because I understand that this is going to upend no, everything no, we no, know no. about the you world. Need to, you need to lean in, have strong takes. This okay. is not going to amount to anything. AI's dumb. It's a, it's, a, it's a fact. A fax machine 30 years later. Absolutely. That's, that's right. What we're Embrace about your here. inner Krugman. That's what we're, that's what we're asking for. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, I don't use it a ton. Like there's times where I'm like, I can't find something. Oh yeah, I should use, uh, use, use the AI to sort of find this. Right. And it, sometimes it works fantastically. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so, no, I, I think there is for sure that is, that is true today. But again, one of the things with tech is you have to always, you have to always remember we're dealing with the worst possible version of the capabilities right now. It's going to get better. It's going to get cheaper. It's going to get sort of more available and everywhere. And sometimes that leads you astray. So we had that that talk about VC and all the startups that were overvalued. And that's an example of the like over extrapolating into the future run amok. You know, that, mm-hmm. that can definitely happen. But that is was more a function – no one doubted the utility of these companies. That was a function of understanding like the addressable market and competition and you know what what happens when you actually run into Microsoft head on in an enterprise sales deal, right? Like there's there's lots of stuff that go, that goes in or in what happens when interest rates go up and suddenly this, you know, spending a gazillion dollars on sales and marketing that's not going to pay off for 15 years seems insane, right? right? Like all that stuff sort of happened. In this case we're not part of the fun is speculating which company will succeed. And there's open questions about that. But the idea that this tech is going to be a fad and go away, and we're just going to stick with using our mouse and keyboard and our internal memory of where is that stuff on my hard drive? And where did I do XYZ? And, and, uh, you know, let's get on a zoom call so I can teach you how to do this sort of thing. Like, it seems pretty clear to me anyway, that this is a meaningful shift. It is a meaningful paradigm. And, the the way it will play out remains an open question, but I think the fact that it's a toy today is not a 
a strike against its a potential against it. It, for the it's future. Actually, yeah. It's actually a, a validation of it, right? Like, the, you go back to, like, crypto or something, right? There was no toy, like, aspects to crypto. It was like, <laughs> you can make money, <laughs> make money, make money. Unbelievably right? dirty. And, yeah, exactly. Right, and oh, and, uh, you, you know, and then the more the more sort of aspirational types are like, well, you can protect you from censorship and government intrusion and X, Y, Z, all of which are very nerdy sort of like, sure, all that is, like, technically true, but – it's not like it's fun. It's actually mm-hmm. paid in the massive pain in the ass. Something to be fun is a huge opening for expansion into utility. And that's Utilities why I rarely ask, back into I, toys. In all honesty, earlier this week, I downloaded the OpenAI app and started playing around with it and was reminded how much I enjoyed ChatGPT when it was first released and then GPT-4 and everything else. And so I... I was just sitting there and being like, I actually really like this product. And then I was trying to think of like times throughout my day when I would pick up my phone and go to the OpenAI app and use it for like work or something to enhance my productivity. And I was mostly coming up empty in part because Google still owns the real estate on the iPhone browser, and it's just so easy and ingrained in me to go. Habits are super powerful. Yeah, and so I'm just wondering when we might start to see that shift a little bit. I will say this. I have one use case for you on the chat GPT search functionality versus Google. Are you ready? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. Okay, so I have been using ChatGPT for all of my baby searches because if you use Google to search for anything related to babies, you have to sift through all sorts of like sponsored links and everything, and it's just very stressful trying yeah, to come up with a reliable the answer. And there is no more sort of attractive customer than the first-time parent. They will spend anything on it's, everything. It's so. very clear from a Google search about anything related <laughs> that to That is a, a highly commercial term. A yes. lot of money in it. Um, and ChatGPT just gives me nice, simple answers. I don't have to sift through a bunch of sponsored content. So there you go. Just wanted to report back. I think last week I said I, I hadn't really come up with use cases for these LLMs. That is one use case. Um, now, congratulations! Very happy for you. I mean, there was one point though that that you mentioned before about the habit and the fact of sort of getting sort of access to it. That's a huge deal. That's a reason why I don't want to go too far with the analogy to the Jobs keynote around the iPhone about a new user interface because having a new device it's way easier to introduce a new way of interaction if you're using a new device, right? Because mm-hmm. you have you're starting from zero. If you're, whereas in this case, you're on your phone, you have 15 years of habits of how you use your phone, and that's very hard to change and sort of disrupt. All right, and that's the end of the free preview. If you'd like to subscribe and receive every episode of this show, you can do so by subscribing to Stratechery Plus. That'll give you access to every Sharp Tech episode, all of our Sharp China episodes, the Dithering Podcast with Ben and John Gruber daily analysis of the tech business from Ben, and more shows that we'll be adding in the months to come. If you'd like to become a subscriber, click the link in your show notes to get access to the entire Stratechery universe. 